House Republicans impeached the Homeland Security Secretary yesterday. That's where we're starting The 7 from The Washington Post. I'm Hannah Jewell. It's Wednesday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. Let's get you caught up with today's seven stories. On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 213. The resolution is adopted. The measure to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas passed by a single vote in the House. It was the second attempt by Republicans to impeach Mayorkas over the Biden administration's handling of the southern U.S. border. The vote doesn't have any immediate impacts. The resolution was non-binding, and Mayorkas will probably be acquitted in a trial in the Senate. That chamber is led by Democrats, and some Republican senators do not believe that Mayorkas' actions constitute the high crimes and misdemeanors that would lead to a conviction. But the House vote may have other, longer-lasting consequences. Mayorkas is the first sitting cabinet secretary to be impeached in 150 years, and that could set a worrying precedent. Impeachment is the most serious tool the U.S. Constitution provides to rein in public officials, and some experts say it's now being misused as a political weapon. Number two. Democrats picked up a seat in the House of Representatives. Democrat Tom Suozzi defeated Mozzie Pillip yesterday in the New York special election to replace Republican George Santos. Santos was expelled from Congress last year after accusations of ethical and criminal misconduct. The race centered heavily on national issues like immigration and abortion rights, and it was a significant win for Democrats. Republicans won this New York district just 15 months ago by eight points. But last night, Suozzi's win was comfortable enough that the race was called just over an hour after polls closed. In his victory speech, Suozzi made a point to tell Republicans in Congress to stop focusing on Trump. Let's send a message to our friends running the Congress these days. Stop running around for Trump and start running the country. The victory means that the Republicans' narrow House majority will become even narrower, at 219 to 213 seats. New York's 3rd District has generally leaned Democratic in federal elections in the past, and it was held by Democrats before Santos. But still, some Democrats may view the win as a reassuring sign heading into November's presidential election. Number 3. President Biden called Donald Trump's comments about NATO un-American. Last weekend, the former president said he would encourage Russia to attack U.S. allies if they didn't spend enough money on their defense. Yesterday, Biden forcefully criticized those comments. The whole world heard it. The worst thing is he means it. No other president in our history has ever bowed down to a Russian dictator. Well, let me say this as clearly as I can. I never will. For God's sake, it's dumb, it's shameful, it's dangerous, it's un-American. The president's remarks came at a potentially pivotal moment for the NATO military alliance, Russia, and Ukraine. Yesterday, the Senate passed a package that would provide billions of dollars for Ukraine's war against Russia. Biden said history would remember whether the House takes up that bill. But Republican Speaker Mike Johnson has already said it's a non-starter in that chamber. Number four. Inflation numbers sent stock markets into a slide. The government released its latest data on rising prices yesterday. It showed that inflation eased last month, but not as much as expected. Prices were 3.1% higher in January than they were a year before. 
the rise was driven mainly by housing prices. That number worried investors, and markets sank throughout the day. The Federal Reserve is contemplating when to cut interest rates for the first time in years, but these continued price increases could delay that decision. Financial markets are eager for a definitive timeline, and so are many households and businesses, since lower rates filter down to car payments, mortgages, and loans. Thousands of drivers for Uber and Lyft are expected to strike today. That's number five. The drivers plan to strike for 24 hours in 17 U.S. cities on Valentine's Day, typically a busy day for the ride-sharing companies. They say that Uber and Lyft are taking an increasingly large cut of fares, which forces them to work longer hours to make ends meet. One analysis found that Uber drivers' average monthly earnings before expenses fell 17.1% in 2023 compared to the previous year. So they're demanding a living wage that ensures drivers aren't living in poverty and transparency over how pay is calculated. Drivers for the food delivery service DoorDash will also walk off the job. Uber said that it doesn't expect today's strike to impact trip levels, prices, or driver availability. But organizers say the strike will be the largest nationwide protest yet against gig economy companies. Number six. Super Bowl 58 was the most-watched television broadcast of all time. 123.7 million people tuned in to watch the game on Sunday. That's according to data from Nielsen, which is the company that provides viewership data for television. It aired on CBS, Univision, Nickelodeon, and the Paramount Plus streaming platform. Last year's Super Bowl, another Chiefs win, drew 115 million viewers on Fox. The data is a little bit complicated, because a few years ago, Nielsen introduced new ways to count people who are watching at bars and parties. So total viewership numbers of sporting events have risen, which makes comparisons to previous years more difficult. But even so, the NFL is continuing to defy the trends of traditional broadcast TV, where viewership for big events has been declining. And a few things probably made this game so much more popular. For one thing, there was the allure of the Kansas City Chiefs and their star quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who shined in the overtime victory. And the big game might have gotten a boost from the attendance of the world's most famous Chiefs fan, Taylor Swift. And at number seven, a shipwreck from 1940 was discovered in Lake Superior, but its story remains a mystery. This week, a historical society announced the discovery of the wreck of the Arlington. It was found about 35 miles north of Michigan, some 600 feet beneath the surface of the Great Lake. On April 30th, 1940, the Arlington had set off under the command of Captain Frederick Burke. It sailed into a dense fog, which intensified into a storm, the ship's first mate ordered a change of course, but Burke overruled him, and they forged on into the open lake. The Arlington started to take on water, but Burke made no orders to evacuate. Luckily, crew members were able to flee to another ship anyway. But when they turned back to look at the Arlington, Burke was still on board. And even weirder, he was waving as he went down with the ship. Burke was a seasoned captain from an influential shipping family. He was described in the press at the time as a bluff, hardy sea dog who was beloved by his crews. But there doesn't seem to be a good reason for him to have gone down with his ship while his crew evacuated safely. And we'll probably never know why. All right, you're all caught up. But don't forget that we also have a newsletter. It's written by me and Jamie Ross, and it arrives in your inbox early every weekday morning. You can find the link to sign up in our show notes. 
I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll meet you back here tomorrow.